Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. I don't remember what my Bible voice is. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Ashling. Pop quiz. How old was Eber? Was God just mad about gentrification? And do you ever feel like we're on a whole different podcast? All that and more! Get ready for a spiritual journey. As for godless atheists. Read chapter... Wait. Where are we? Eleven. Eleven of the Bible! And one godless atheist... Struggles to maintain a consistent volume! Find out what happens when the Bible... Stops being polite... And starts getting weird. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they mitigated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, They migrated. They didn't mitigate. (laughs) That's true. They migrated. (laughs) The... It's very frustrating with with any kind of block of text when they hyphenate something after the first two letters and you have to kind of like sight read to the next line. (laughs) Whoever did the kerning on this Bible should be shot. (laughs) Mine's like that too. I feel like most Bibles should actually be printed in like Comic Sans or something. (laughs) Make everyone's skin crawl. As they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar, and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had a brick for stone, and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So what was the significance of the name? I mean, do you, do we think that it's like uh, like hubris? Like, are they naming themselves? Are they taking the power away from God, who is naming things, or Adam, who is naming things, well, and saying we should we one, should? One thing that occurred to me in uh, researching this, right? A lot of the a lot of the preachers. They talk about the Bible of a story of two cities, right? Of Jerusalem and Babylon. And the, uh, and it's kind of a, and it's kind of an ethnocentric point of view because what they'll say is Jerusalem is the city of God and Babylon is the city of man or maybe Satan. But if you lived back then, Jerusalem is the city of Yahweh. Babylon is the city of Marduk. Uruk oh. is the city of Viana, you know, like yeah. there's there's patron deities all for every city. And that's the way it was mention. all over the ancient world. Right. You had patron saints in ancient Greece the same way. One one town is uh, worshipping Hera. There's another town that's worshipping Apollo. So maybe the name is Marduk. Hmm. I said, I think I think by saying, uh, let us make a name for ourselves, that's not a literal name. It's uh, they're trying to become civilized and and godless. They want to they want to be like gods themselves. They want to be like a nation. Yeah. Yeah. More selfish. And shirk the theocracy (laughs) that they've been living in. Yeah. Not a not like a literal name. (laughs) But have they been living under a theocracy? I mean, God's telling them to do things. I don't know how else you would have a theocracy. 
Well, you have someone who claims to, you know, usually there's a level removed of like I mean, actual government. It, it seems like it's God direct action, though. Like there's there's been like direct intervention uh, pretty consistently. I mean, but I mean, in the narrative thus far, though, we're just getting right to um, what, where did we end the last chapter? We got the account of Noah's sons after the flood, right? Yeah. We got some genealogies, but it doesn't start with where we are in those genealogies when the city is being built. But it does seem ah. like everyone is speaking the same language, so they're still all family, right? That's a very good point. I think we, uh, I think we switch sources. Uh, shit, did I leave that book in the other room? Let me get that book. <laughs> I think it's it seems like the next it seems like the next step in the developing of the civilization. Yeah. Um Did you guys look into what the bricks were all about? No, we didn't. Um I think it's very interesting though that you know they they make they're making bricks and burning them thoroughly so the it's not even just sun-dried brick like they're firing these in a kiln. I think it's a really accurate uh they're they're making tools now. Yeah. And, and so I read, sorry, I read something about, I read something about how that's like a sign of, like, uh, a higher form of technology, and like, better civilization essentially. So this is, like, it signifies that they're becoming like uh, a threat to God because right. they're like kind of getting too smart for their own good, as he sees it, right? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, they ha they've built kilns, so they're they're obviously you know at the point where they're making tools, like you said, and then you know, by, uh, bitumen is like a precursor to coal, right? Like yeah, and I saw somewhere that it, it was expensive. I think so. It's like oh, so they're they're bougie with their mortar. It's, it's yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one interesting thing about the clay brick thing. Is that historically accurate? Because their stone was very rare in, uh, right. around Babylon. So they built everything out of clay brick. But what's interesting is it's not sun-dried brick, as we'll see. Well, now I'm doing the spoiler. Uh, that We'll see later that there's sun-dried brick that happens oh. in various Middle Eastern countries and settings. Uh, but here, they're... Kiln-fired. Yeah, they're kiln-fired. They're saying very specifically, burn them thoroughly. Right. Um, Interesting. So um, one thing to note just with the sources is uh, apparently, according to the Bible with sources revealed, bum, uh, bum, bum. <laughs> we left off uh, chapter 10 uh, with a priestly source and we're, chapter 10 uh, was alternating between like the priestly source and the J source. The Nimrod thing comes to us from J. And uh, we're back in J again with the beginning of chapter 11. And, uh, oh yeah, and we should address this, is uh, a lot of people think Nimrod built the Tower of Babel, but doesn't actually say that. This is all the peoples of Noah's clan. Which should be the only people in the world, right? Yeah, theoretically. Except for the sea monsters. <laughs> they all have that Innsmouth look. Yeah, the sea monsters are always there. Um, so 
with that though, there's also this whole thing about um, making a name for themselves. Otherwise, there'll be consequences. They'll be spread to the corners of the earth. Are what is this threat that they? It seems like this is nationalism, right? This is the first instance of like we're going to build a nation, you know? Right, but it's all the people of the world. So what are they rallying against? If that's the case. Well, this is this is why God is so threatened by them, right? That they collectively have this power that he sees as a rival. Right. So is this the first instance of biblical union busting? <laughs> yeah, there's like a blow up rat outside the tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like one of those things. Yeah. The bricklayers, uh, the biblical bricklayers. Exactly. Union. Yeah. I feel like that's in a Woody Guthrie song. Um, but they are scared to be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. So right. th- that also insinuates that they're they're already afraid of something. There's like this external threat that they're guarding against. They want to build this thing for their own safety. The Nephilim? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what Roving else is in the story. Yeah. <laughs> right. The sea monsters. They want to get high enough to heaven to avoid the sea monsters who have now come on land. And started right, restaurants. Before we, before we really gonna get, get you. <laughs> the Lord came down to the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, They are one people. They have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them. Let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. That's some KGB nonsense right there. Let's not directly interfere. Let's just change things subtly so they start losing their minds. <laughs> Who's he talking Wait, to, though? Where's the tower? Has it mentioned the tower yet? Well, they, they just said they got to build a tower to the heavens. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So there's a lot of ideas about the purpose of this tower. One is it's to avoid future floods. But that doesn't make any sense because we have the, the God already said he's not going to do that anymore because we have rainbows now. Right. And double rainbows, which are so intense. Right. <laughs> and God never goes back on his promises. Nope, ever. Not God long. would never destroy the world he through some promised. completely other means. <laughs> a promise is forever um <laughs> and then another explanation i heard of uh why they built the tower is it was like they were going to heaven to like confront god to like you know kill god or dethrone him or whatever i mean but it's if they this... if they formed a union maybe they're just sending up their shop steward <laughs> there's a union Collective bargaining you know, the angels have a union. That's in the Pete Seeger song, Casey Jones. I remember the name of that song. <laughs> I think they're just trying to become like God because he's up in the sky. And if they get up to the sky, then nothing they do will be impossible for them. So they'll be like all powerful like God is. Right. We saw this before with the Nephilim, with uh, the kind of violations of the boundaries that God set up in like the first two chapters of the heavens and the earth. And he doesn't seem to like it when like either his sons, whoever they were, angels, I guess. Yeah, uh, he can come down here. Boundaries. 
He can come ha- come down here, but he doesn't want humans going up there. Right. That's the other weird thing. He said, "Let us go down." Which um, I'm. <laughs> Which I'm sure Christians would say, oh, it's the Trinity. He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But no, really, what's that? Why does he say, let us go down? I just I just imagine he's like a dad and the kids are being rowdy in the basement. And he just like stomps down the stairs and he's like, listen, shut up. <laughs> Maybe it's like the royal we, like a collective us. <laughs> yeah. We are not. Like, all right, let's calm down for a tower. second. Yeah, that's what uh, one of the preachers I saw on YouTube was saying. Yes, God can be an us. Like, our ways don't correspond to God. He's so infinite, he can be an us. Well, is this Yahweh or is this Elohim? And if it's Elohim, is it a is that then the collective group of angels that form this Godhead entity? Like, the God is the catch-all phrase Ooh, for that. We are in the J source, uh, so it is Yahweh. Oh, Yahweh is now a we. Right. That's interesting. Because it was, was it P where it said we before? Our, yeah, it's Genesis 1. Let us make them in our image. Right. Right. So that was Elohim. And this is Yahweh now. And now Yahweh is multiple entities or something. Uh, Yeah, right. Every time it, uh, so we know this because we're in the J source, but we also know this from the footnotes in our Bible. The first time it came up in Genesis, I think it's 2, two your, verse 4. Your Bible has footnotes? You, I, I don't see them. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yes, we are looking at exactly the same Bibles. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, what was my point? Oh, yeah. In Genesis 2, verse 4, the first time this comes up, the footnotes of most Bibles will tell you that where you say, see Lord in all caps, it is actually the Tetragrammaton. I haven't done that one in a while. Uh, (laughs) Or Yahweh, as we would pronounce it today, with vowels that I think were borrowed from uh, Adonai or something. Well... In the Torah, because no one knows no what vowels. the vowel. Yeah, yeah right. No one knows what the, just letters. There's no vowels. Yahoo, <laughs> Yahay, hey yeah. Yeah, isn't there a song about that? <laughs> hey yeah. Do one of you guys want to read? Ashling says yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll read. Where did we leave off? Uh, eight. So the Lord, where's your Southern accent, Rachel? I don't have one of those. So the Lord, I don't have one of those. Valley girl. Oh my God. (laughs) You said you didn't want to read. (laughs) I like how, yeah, I like how you said you didn't want to read and now you're just throwing out suggestions. (laughs) All I have is a Rochester accent. Listen, I like to be the peanut gallery. (laughs) Oh, Byron. (laughs) Statler and Waldorf. (laughs) We, we kind of felt like you guys should be the Statler and Waldorf. Uh, that's literally how we see ourselves. So that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Are you, Sorry, are you ready? go ahead. <laughs> so how, so how, how are you going to, what voice are you going to do? I only have my own normal voice. Do I have to have a special voice? No, you don't no. have to have a special <laughs> voice. But it would be hilarious. But- do it, Rachel, do it. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ashley said she would read Genesis 8. Go for it. 
I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we didn't obviously practice any voices, so. <laughs> that's so yeah uh, you don't have to read voice. <laughs> <laughs> well we don't have that's to take that away from you podcast. if you have a voice you're dying to use on chapter eight <laughs> feel free <laughs> see i could i mean i could do my willamina impression but then i, I feel like I, I, I was perfect. just trying to steal her voice. pretend you're us and then combine yeah. the two do your impression of our npr <laughs> yeah. voices you know, I do. I do not think I can do a pleasing female voice. <laughs> it's I not pleasing. Do like an olive oil, like. All right, so you either have to do the southern. You either have to do like a southern Southern Baptist lady minister, even though that's not a thing, or you have to do like a Muppet of your choice. Ooh, do the or Muppet. Gwen Stefani. Or ooh, ooh do, yeah, ooh, or Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Stefani. Those are your three choices. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. And they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel. Because the Lord confused the languages of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad uh, over the face of all the earth. Hallelujah, amen, praise Jesus. <laughs> I enjoyed that. That was pretty good. I think you, I, I feel like you got a real knack for that. So with this, they've realized the, the fear of uh, what the people feared the whole time, right? Because the god or gods come down and scatter the people to the four corners of the earth or however they phrase it here. I'm not even looking at it. All over the face. Uh, abroad, over the, yeah, over the face of all the earth. And they left off building the city. So it's like, they're, it's mirroring itself, right? Like they, right. Uh, they were afraid of the thing and they did the thing that caused their worst fears to come true. And I, is that, like hyperbole is that um mm. you know that they were yeah right why didn't do this or else it's gonna be your worst nightmare why didn't they understand that this like what was their why didn't they know this would happen well my question is why doesn't god know that this would happen because if we, we once again here see a, a non-omniscient god because this was in direct response to a thing that they did that he didn't want them to do and yeah, wouldn't he have known doing that though this is like the you know <laughs> right but i mean it's, doing that. it's one more case of a non-omniscient god it seems sure. he seems surprised and like such a violent reaction because he's so mad because he did this thing right. but i i agree with what you guys said before that it sounds like a parent like getting really frustrated with their kids yeah but also um, i it's like okay god creates humans they start making civilization and then there be being successful and then he gets pissed off at them and it doesn't seem like right like what is it what did he expect they were gonna do exactly exactly uh, that's true and but what like what is he afraid of i wonder as god that will grow up and we won't need him anymore take mm. that dad <laughs> I don't need you. Your oversight. <laughs> and you're ignoring us for sea monsters. It's a giant middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also like, right, I mean, 
I guess this isn't as present in the Old Testament, but the way Christians would conceive of it, heaven is the carrot at the end of the stick, right? If you can build a tower and just walk into heaven, what power does God have over you anymore? Right. Mm-hmm. They're right very enterprising, these people. Yeah. They're Babylonians, man. This is a hell of a place. Very talented uh, whores. <laughs> I hear that's a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I did. Yeah, I. Oh, all right. I'll Biblical level. sex tourism. I skipped to the end. There's a. There's a whole thing <laughs> with that. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's very strange. So, um, Bilal means very literally to confuse. So, Babylon is the city of confusion. But what's also interesting is, right, they didn't speak Hebrew in Babylon. They spoke Akkadian. So what does the name of the city Babylon mean in Akkadian? It means... Uh, Bayou. No. It means gate of the gods. Oh. So that's why some people think that the Tower of Babel was actually a stargate. And I was trying to get some good wackadoo YouTube videos on that, but it, I found it a little bit difficult. So if anyone on Twitter, uh, at Atheist Read, can, can uh, tweet a decent video <laughs> explaining that. The guy got into Katy Perry and all this shit. I'm like, what? No, just tell me how the Tower of Babel was a Stargate. But okay, Wait, so there's... I don't know what a Stargate is. Should I? Uh, so it's like a portal to another dimension, I guess. Uh, it was a movie in 1990 something. Three? What? <laughs> Atheists guess the year's movies came out. <laughs> Stargate, when did it come out? 1997. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was in second grade, so clearly didn't see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I mean... Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a relevant idea at all. I just thought I'd throw that into the mix. <laughs> but, like, I mean, all of the... Um, but it's interesting The Mesopotamia? Me. Mesopotamia? No. Yeah. yeah. The land of Shinar, as it's called in the Bible. Um, their whole pantheon is all... That, 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 this is the place where the story about the genetic engineering started, right? Like, they, you know, Enki makes the people and gives him some of his blood... Uh, and they mix the blood and make people. Right. That's uh, a new Malish was a Babylonian myth. But there's probably, see, that's the thing. Uh, Marduk is the patron god of Babylon who like a new Malish is set up to elevate. So there's probably earlier versions of that myth. If it started in Eridu, it's probably Anana or Ishtar uh, is the other name for her is probably the, or, you know, it could be. There, it just so happens the story's in Babylon. Right, and right. he makes it, but it is interesting from uh, ancient aliens, whatever point of view. <laughs> I'm saying that, it's aliens. Right. It's aliens. Is that not only the parallels to the biblical Genesis story, but that Marduk creates humans by not just dust, but clay and the blood of this other god, Kingu. Uh, I don't know what... Kingu's role in the story is besides that but but there's this idea of like you know i i guess it's similar to the idea of people being made in the image of god right like we have part of god within us whether it's the holy spirit or the blood of Kingu, 
or whatever. <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think of that? Uh, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> uh, but anyway, do do we have anything more to say about this this tower? Whether it's a Stargate, whether it's uh... oh, we didn't. Do we talk about where the tower? Okay, so if we're talking about Babylon, right? This is the giant ziggurat that was dedicated dedicated <laughs> it was to Marduk. Really dry. And uh, <laughs> it was desic. That's how God destroyed it. Um, <laughs> Dry skin, Jurgens, which which the Jews would have been familiar with during the Babylonian exile, which was not destroyed by God, but was coincidentally destroyed by Alexander the Great, uh, who was going to rebuild it, but then he died. <laughs> Great foresight on your part, there, Alexander. <laughs> It's not my fault God limited lifespans to 120 years. It's because his sons had to fuck everything. But yeah. Well, funny you say that. Because I think we're going to see just how old some of these kids got. <laughs> oh, and the other interesting thing. So some people think this uh, Nimrod, who was not a real, you know, doesn't refer to a historical person. I refers to many, possibly. Uh, was this guy Endicar, and that this could have been an Eridu because there's an ambiguity in uh, the name of the city. They were both referred to as Nunki in Sumerian, which means great city. So there was the great city of the north was Babylon. The great city of the south was Eridu. And there's a parallel story involving confusion of the languages and Endicar. Uh, a Sumerian story. And there's there's actually parallel stories in like every fucking culture about confusion of the languages. Uh, but that, that one I just found interesting, although I couldn't make heads or tails of it when I actually read the summary. <laughs> uh, because there's this link between this ambiguity between the names of the cities. And it seems like, right, the, uh, the ziggurat that was in Babylon that was de dedicated to Marduk was being destroyed and rebuilt over and over, right? Like when Nebuchadnezzar II rebuilt it, he was rebuilding it from a former thing, right? Uh, but Eridu is an earlier city. Eridu is possibly like the first city. Although we know from the Bible that the first city was Enoch, who also walked with God and, then he, and wrote a book. Right. Wheels and was wheels. on two sides of a family tree. That was a little weird, but... I'll go with it. I think it's interesting and very ironic. So the name of the city, it's being referred to as Babel here, which is a pun on the actual name of the city, which in Akkadian means gate of the gods, right? This pun, despite the confusion of the languages and none of us speak Hebrew, has survived all these years. So it totally cuts against the grain of the story. Because we still understand, <laughs> oh, Babel, that means like the, 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 we still get it. We still get right. the pun, even though none of us speak Hebrew. These are the descendants of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arpashad, two years after the flood. And Shem lived after the birth of Arpashad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. 
When Arpashad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And, and Arpashad lived after the birth of Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. So this is the first time we're seeing a reasonable, reasonable age to have children. 35 years? It's like a little on the older side to have kids, but there's people in modernity Speak who have kids for at that yourself. age. It's not like <laughs> at 245. Sorry, I miss it. <laughs> but remember, uh, remember when God said, My spirit shall not abide in mortals forever, for they are flesh. Their day shall be 120 years. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise Jesus. <laughs> it's a very good Wilhelmina. So I, I just want to say that, uh, that, yeah, all these people are living much longer than that consistently. Yeah. But they, they continue to live less long the further we read, right? Or am I spoiling something? <laughs> he hasn't gotten that far yet, Rachel. <laughs> When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber, and Shelah lived after the birth of Eber 403 years, and had other sons and daughters. So Shelah is also having kids at 30, um, a little bit before his father, but, they, but he then lives the same amount of time after the birth of his son, which is strange. Is there a numerological, like, what's the significance of these? Like, why? Like, it's all unreasonable. Why are they the ages they are? Well, 403 plus 30, so there's 433 <laughs> years. I feel right. like God just, like, hit his keyboard with his fist and random numbers <laughs> came up, and that's how we ended up here. But not with Lemech. Lemech lives 777 years, right? And Enoch lived 365 years. Come on, you think people actually... No, people clearly didn't live that long. Are you sure it's not just confirmation bias? <laughs> You're seeing patterns where no patterns exist? But even like... Well, no, now since we do this Bible shit, I see numerology everywhere. And it drives me nuts because it's like I'm not one of... The, I'm the furthest from one of those people to be like, Oh, this has significance. This person's license plate has 14. But now I think, huh, 14, that's two times seven. Huh, we had seven listeners on Christmas. That's interesting. Why would only set precisely seven people listen on Christmas Day? So that's why there are... So that's why there's pins and string all over Alexander's walls connecting all these ridiculous ideas. There's a lot of math going on right there. Well, we have to decorate the bunker with something. So there's a lot of garland, a lot of tinsel, Christmas decorations. Much to my chagrin, celebrating Festivus, tinsel hurts my eyes. <laughs> no, but you love Christmas. Oh, I do. You love Christmas. I do. You Jewish Gr Growing Christmas up, I never, I never had Christmas growing up. So <laughs> when I was an adult, I'm like, I'm going to get a Christmas tree and make it a non-denominational holiday shrubbery. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And Eber lived after the birth of Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. So he's up again. A little bit. 34 years. Is it 460? It does seem kind of arbitrary, doesn't it? Or like a typo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Eber, Eber means Hebrew and Peleg means uh, divided. 
so there's this so we were talking before about like at what point in the generations does this tower of babel thing happen the name peleg would suggest some form of division and hebrew as we know from eliezer was the first language god's language a perfect language that all other languages stemmed from <laughs> he also speaks hebrew coincidentally <laughs> who knew oh, who would see? think that the language he speaks is god's perfect language who knew <laughs> it's the way Eliezer carries himself so you're saying peleg is the one who built the tower no what i'm saying is just in terms of like if these are generations of people right so eber means hebrew they all spoke hebrew and then peleg means divided they all spoke different languages that's the downfall of this whole thing is politics. That's what this is all about, man. <laughs> Divided into these nations. You yeah. Gotta, you gotta kill each other. It's like this social, it's the beginning of social Darwinism, right? Like we had that when God created uh, evolution, which was all the, the, only the best koalas could swim to the ark uh, <laughs> <laughs> or however they got there. Uh, this is like God creating, creating social Darwinism. He's like, now you're a divided people. Mm. Now you're all going to fight with each other. So do you think God's doing it for his own amusement? Watching all the, the ants fight? Yeah, it, of course. It shakes up the, the yeah. ant. It's ant like Pokemon. Closure. Right. Or Magic the Gathering. When Peleg had lived 35 years, he became the father of Ro, and Peleg lived after the birth of Ro 200 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Ro had lived 32 years, he became the father of Saruk, and Ro lived after the birth of Saruk 207 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Saruk had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor, and Saruk lived after the birth of Nahor 200 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah, and Nahor lived after the birth of Terah 119 years, and had other sons and daughters. When Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram! I think that's an important one. Nahor and Haran. So, one thing here. Uh, Nahor... 29 years, then had a kid, then lived a reasonable age of 119 years after that. So he's 139. Still very old. That's a reasonable age for, like, modern Japan or something. <laughs> right. Like, somebody... <laughs> it's you know. not even a reasonable age for Wyoming. <laughs> Why are there two Nahors? Right? Yeah, there's a Nahor the Elder and Nahor the Younger. Yeah. Were any of these real people? Father Abraham. I think we should search for their driver's licenses. <laughs> was uh, was Abraham a real person? I don't. I, well, I think it depends on who you ask. <laughs> but that's the I don't thing. Think... Who do you ask? Right now, people are asking the good book and atheists read the Bible. So what do we tell them? Maybe not. Maybe he wasn't a real dude. <laughs> <laughs> was he like one of these archetypes? Like, like I've read somewhere that Moses was an archetype. I didn't actually look up Abraham, though. Well, Abraham gets more interesting, I think, later when he has his son. And there's the whole story of 
Isaac and Abraham, which I won't spoil. But <laughs> it's spellbinding. <laughs> but also, if you if you count back, I know how we like doing math. So if you count the descendants, there's twelve ending with Abraham or Abram. Right. So, so he's the thirteenth. No. Well, he's the twelfth, right? Oh, he's there's twelve. There's like twelve tribes, and twelve is a number. Oh, right. And uh, yeah, matches up with the twelve stones that are in the river. And did you know, according to Mormonism, that some guy during the Tower of Babylon time prayed for God not to confuse his language, and then set sail for America? <laughs> apparently that's a thing (laughs) when we get to atheists read what is it the book of mormon Mormon. they made a musical (laughs) now these are the descendants of terah terah was the father of abram nahor and Haran. and Haran was the father of lot Haran died before his father terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. <laughs> Abram and Nahor took wives. <laughs> I'm going into a male voice. It's no good. Yeah, I'll just, I'll lean into it. Now do it as Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I thought that was Gwen Stefani. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. Um... Now do it as Katy Perry. <laughs> Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Hallelujah, amen. That's probably inappropriate for the end of that particular line. (laughs) Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot to Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Hallelujah, amen. I praise Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh. I have things to say about Sarah and Milka. But I thought her name is Sarai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just stay tuned. It's fine. So these are the first two women who get names in the Bible. And the only interesting thing about Milka is that her uncle marries her. And the only interesting thing so far about Sarah is that she can't have children. And so basically it's like you're worthless, lady, if you can't bear a son is that true that's the first mention of a woman 
It's the first one. Well, well besides one, Eve. Yeah, the first one that's like named and given some sort of purpose. Besides Eve. Besides Eve. No, right? it mentions the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. See, I knew it. I knew it mentioned some mm. women in that line. You can't trick me. Um, <laughs> but Fair no, enough. you're right. You're right. It's uh, Fair enough. They just serve a purpose as uh, baby yeah. baby ovens, I guess. Baby machines. And they're only described as their relationship to other men. They can never just like stand alone as their own person. They have to be, they have to like function in relation to the men. So Abram. Yes, Abram. Oh, Tara and Sarah. Right. So we have we have the first women are introduced in the, as so it's. So Abram's wife is Sarai. Yeah. But she's barren. She's barren. Is that all we know so far? That's all we know. Riveting. There's a lot of interesting things to say about her, but it doesn't happen until much later. Now, how do we know she's barren? How do we know the problem isn't with Abram's swimmies? Because it's, it's always, always, the always the woman's woman. fault. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. In that's a patri- sexist. In a patriarchal society, right? Like, of course, it's going to say she was barren, right? Because he married her, they're not sleeping with anyone else, so who's to say which one of them it is? But of course it's her. Well, there's lots of barren women. It becomes like a trope in the in the Bible. And then, if you are a Christian, then you see basically the opposite fulfillment of this with Mary, the virgin, who's like the opposite of barren, but she gets pregnant with Jesus. So the outlook on barren women by the Bible is what? That they're just useless as women because they can't bear children? Well, yeah. But the the, the examples that you see usually are like, okay, then they were so faithful and so good that God blessed them with a child. A son, of course. Does this happen frequently when the, uh, when the father is different? <laughs> They were so good that the person they were with died. They married someone Um, else and suddenly they weren't barren anymore. (laughs) Actually. No, but that's interesting, though. Is there like does the inverse ever happen with men? Are there are there any men listed in the Bible as like, uh, do you say infertile for men that their sperm don't swim? Yeah, you could Mm -hmm. say infertile. Blanks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she had a, yeah are, are there any biblical figure male biblical figures that shoot blanks not that i can think of so you would think just what about the guy that what do you think about the it guy can't that, be the no. women 100 percent <laughs> right like, they, like at least some right. of these stories right if i can think of one instance where god wants to curse a particular dude who i won't name and instead Voldemort. of making <laughs> <laughs> but instead of making him shoot blanks he has a son and then god just kills the son so yeah that's the more male way to handle it right, right. making someone shoot blanks is very passive aggressive we're talking about <laughs> a male god that god has to like go and like you know let us go down and strangle the son in his crib. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we've seen some passive-aggressive nonsense from the God character. We have, yeah, but it can also be interpreted as God really is an omniscient. 
Because, right, otherwise he's not passive-aggressive. He's just aggressive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Which some might think is better, but when you drown every single person on the planet except one guy's family, maybe not. He loves <laughs> sea monsters. <laughs> yeah, the sea monsters were great. <laughs> Even though they symbolize the evil feminine chaos demon Tiamat. <laughs> I think the sea monsters, they, I think that's the most interesting part of what we've read so far, are the sea monsters. And it's just, it's just a one-off. And there were sea monsters. Oh, wait until we get to the Leviathan or Jonah and the whale. Dude, you're going to freak out. All kinds of shit happens. But whales 30, aren't sea monsters. 30 years from now when you finally get to Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you talk to <laughs> biblical literature. Biblical literalists will tell you, yes, of course, there are sea monsters. There are giant squids. It's the edge of the map. There are manta rays. You could name a whole bunch of them. Godzilla. (laughs) No, Godzilla is one that is not real. (laughs) That is one you cannot name. It is trademarked. I don't know what we're talking about now. I, I think we've wandered off into the weeds, but I think we've hit the end. <laughs> Do we don't want to cut the short the the discussion? We don't want to cut the discussion short on feminist Bible shit. So, <laughs> but we don't want to give anything away. I feel like I know you could just listen to our but... podcast for the deep dive into. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good idea. Uh, pitch your uh, deep dive into... Wait, aren't we going to be on an episode of your podcast? Tune in next week to find out what happens when God tells Abram he will father a nation on an all-new Atheist Read the Bible. For more Lady Bible stuff from Rachel and Ashling. Set your radio dial to The Good Book at goodbookpod.com or wherever you watch podcasts. And at some point in the future, tune in to The Good Book to listen to Alexander and Diogenes mansplain patriarchy. Music by Connected Sounds.